Now, everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Welcome to Everything Old is New Again. This is Douglas Viviani, and I'm joined by the effervescent David Cohen, excited as ever. Very. This uh, is Star Trek, baby. Yes, we are going to spend the next three days or three com- three shows. Days? Three days. I'm locking oh. you in the studio for three days to talk about nothing other than Star Trek and more specifically the Star Trek convention phenomenon. This uh, summer I just uh, went with uh, Dr. Richard Richter and Dr. Michael Weiner, uh, two uh, buddies of mine that we've been con- conventioning with uh, through the years. And we were at the Las Vegas convention, so we're going to bring you there with the sights and sounds of the convention. Welcome, Dr. Richter. Thank you, Douglas. And Dr. Weiner, just so we can hear your voice. Glad to be here. Great. Uh, Dr. Weiner. Do we yes. have to call them doctors? That's can we just say, call them Rich and Mike? The or? last time we're going to call them doctor at this All point. Right. Uh, Richard is a, is a uh, dentist in... Uh, Patchog, an office in Patchog. You have another office somewhere else, right? That's correct, Douglas, in East Quag. Okay, so well-spoken. <laughs> Better spoken than both of us combined, I think. <laughs> and he's a dentist. And uh, we have Michael Weiner, who is an ophthalmologist with three offices on Long Island, correct? Two on Long Island, one in Queens. I stand corrected. Speaking of being corrected, uh, there are uh, times when people are talking about the Star Trek convention, have a misunderstanding as to what it's all about. Believe it or not, it's been going on for 45 years. And such illuminaries, is that the word? It's illuminaries, you're yes, right. Yes, thank you. Uh, as Isaac Asimov has attended, especially the early conventions. Let's listen to a little of an introduction from Isaac Asimov and then Leonard Nimoy, sort of as to why and what this is all about. But let's, before we do that, Focus the first bit of the show on this phenomenon of Star Trek itself before we get to really the convention. To understand why there's a convention, you have to kind of understand a little of the history of, of the show. So we'll listen to this. If it was intelligent enough to build a culture, then it had the right to live in that culture. And no other culture had a right to interfere with it as long as it was not endangering cultures beyond itself. Star Trek was, in a sense, the most meaningful. It tackled real social problems. It to be done meaningfully. It to be done in a way which would be entertaining to those who are looking for entertainment. To be provocative for those who are willing to accept the provocative concepts that it presented. And in a way that would be uplifting for those who were available to that. Uh, we are very, very proud of the fact that so many of the episodes captured so many of those important elements. Dave, does that bring uh, the, the genre alive for you a little how, bit? First of all, how did you get such good quality uh, on uh, Leonard Nimoy? <laughs> Sounds like he's speaking in the middle of the Holland That Tunnel. was my own uh, taping of 1973's convention. When I, actually, it was 1976 when I was there with, with Richard myself wow. in New York City at the old Penta Hotel. Uh, so, so you just, I, like, held a microphone up while he was speaking? I had one of those little cassettes, if you remember those sure. little cassette players. Uh, so we were there enjoying that, um, and that's where that came from. 
Yeah, look, hey, you know, I like Star Trek. I don't really get the whole convention thing that you guys are into, but I'd like to know more about it, and I think uh, so would our listeners. I I think the first thing to say, though, is Star Trek, not Star Trek. Did I say track? (laughs) You know, my mom used to say, are you watching Star Trek again? And I'd correct her. I'd say Star Trek. That's the first way, yeah, we understand that people are not really into it. And can I just ask another question? Is it, are you guys Trekkies? Is there a distinction or trekkers? What's the politically correct word? Well, I, I believe the difference or the distinction, David, is one is more of, of a fanatic and the other is more of like a, a follower, a, a casual fan. I think the uh, the trekkie is more of the, the the less serious fan. The trekker really takes it very seriously. Let's so, try to. F- yeah. Are you guys trekkers? We're going to try to figure that out by with a little bit of a quiz here. We're going to do the history of Star Trek. You're interrupting. I uh, really, have to. with the history again. Yes, we have to start with the history. Let's start with this clip and tell me only a real fan and a trekkie would know what Lord Trekker. This is from which one? Anybody? Who's? Where's this from? That's from the original Star Trek. All right, the original Star Trek. Let's try the next one. The I even end. knew that. That's the end. All right, we'll start easy. Anybody have that one? Oh, stunned them. That is uh, the animated series ending. There were 22 animated episodes on Saturday morning. Let's try the next one. Let's see if we get this. Who's this? Come on, you got it. Next generation. Next generation. 176 episodes strong from 87 to 94. Let's go to the next one. Deep Space Nine, Douglas. Yes, that's the uh, Deep Space Nine, 176 episodes as Rich, well. Rich, you're doing well, Mike. We haven't heard from you yet. Come on, buddy. All right, let's see if you can get this one, Michael. That is Star Trek Voyager. That's his favorite. I know that. From 95 to 2001, Kate Mulgrew, the first female captain on that one. How about this one? My favorite. That's Star Trek Enterprise. Yes. Who was the captain? Scott Bakula? Of course. <laughs> and finally, where's this from? Oh. It's the motion picture. That was number six where they signed off at the end. It was the last one song. And I think I have one more. Let's just get this one. Who's going to get this one? Where from? Also, the original series, Douglas. No, that's that is the new J.J. Abrams ending. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there have been twelve movies, twenty-four hours of, of programming there. Just so we get an idea, there's seven hundred and thirty-six hours of entertainment that Star Trek has provided to date. There's my history. We're done for the next three shows. Really? Of that's history. it. Yeah. I just wanted to get a little excellent piece about that. Why, why is there so much about Star Trek? Why is it good on and on and on? Michael, Richard, who's got an answer? Star Trek uh, originated in the 1960s when there was a lot of civil unrest. It was the time when Gene Roddenberry brought to the studio uh, a time in the future when. Uh, pe- people got along whether you were of color or of different nationality and it created a situation where people knew that in the future things would be better and uh, people uh, were able to relate to that. Alright, let's see if, what yeah. Simon Pegg says about that, the new Scotty. 
the series was such an interesting proposition because it was a show that was about something fantastic but didn't have the budget to, to be that visually fantastic. So they would boil down the story to something really, really human and personal. And they became these fantastic little plays in space. They were really thoughtful and they always had the moral and, and social messages which you had to unpick. That kind of stuff, I think, is fundamentally what Star Trek's about. You know, it's this, it's a metaphor. That I agree with 100%, but I don't know if everybody agrees with that. Richard? Thank you, Douglas. Uh, for me, and I've, I've seriously always thought this, uh, so uh, with sincerity, it was a beacon of hope for the future during a time when people, I think, were frightened. They were really, uh, they were afraid of what the future was going to, to hold. They were burying, um, uh, digging out basements where they could have nuclear shelters and bomb shelters and... And there's also yeah, so there's also another port of, of Star Trek that I would suggest. Start of the right and straight on till morning. That's uh, from Peter Pan. We will uh, leave you for a few moments with that thought. And why did I play that? And then after I've, since we've done the history, now we can ease up and listen to Dave's concerns. I would say that we have about Star Trek and and why we're involved with Star Trek conventions. Ah, from Citizen Kane. The significance of Rosebud with regard to Star Trek is hard to fathom at this point. What I'm going to try to suggest is that out of all of the entertainment between the books and the comic books and the, of course, television series and movies and radio plays, uh, Star Trek can be boiled down, in my view, to a simple phrase. Just like Rosebud boiled down Right, Citizen Kane's life into one word. If you watch that brilliant movie, you hear that one word and you know, if you've seen the movie, what his life was all about, what the turning point in his life was all about. So that's where I'm at. I want to search in this half of the show on Everything Old is New Again to try to see why people are listening to, watching, reading Star Trek and then thereafter be so inspired as to go to a Star Trek convention. Um, to me, it's the, the topics that are political. We've talked about this earlier. Political themes, sociological themes, little plays that have some metaphor and some meaning to them. Um, anybody have any that come to mind? Remember the Frank Gorshin episode in the original show, Richard? Yeah, one of my favorites, Douglas. And not I'm going to say about eight months ago, I discussed it with all my kids, and I had four of them down in our little uh, home theater watching it, and then we were talking about it. Why? Later. What's it all about? Well, it's Briefly. It's, it's all about racism. <laughs> it's white on one side, black on one on the left, right on the uh, the right, and the the opposition was just reversed of that. And it showed you the stupidity. Right, there were two uh, aliens fighting each other based on their color of the skin: white, black, white, black, on but different uh, sides of the face having the black. So it, it really was significant for the for the time. Dave, you remember that one? No. Okay. Do you remember the one when Cotton with Kirk was split into two? Yes, that I remember. And what do you remember about that? One was uh, one was bad. He was a bad guy and a good guy. And it, it's sociological or psychological, right, Michael? It, it d kind of helped to define what human beings are, at least try to, in some way? Everyone has an evil side and a good side. And together they need to uh, combat each other. And hopefully the good wins over the evil. But if they're separated... There's no way to control the evil side. So these, are, these are thoughtful, provoking topics, I think, from the 1960s. Let's well, go. Yeah, because people weren't thinking back then. Correct. So it's amazing. 
that nice? Well, what were they watching? They were watching I Love Lucy. They were watching The Honeymooners. They were watching reruns. 60s, they were watching what? What? Gilligan's Gil- Island. Yeah. This, is, this was thought-provoking. Are you saying Gilligan's Island wasn't thought-provoking? They I, were thoughts. I take offense to they that. They were different kinds of thoughts. Let's uh, take a look at what the next generation did. A little something here. Cinder! His face black, his eyes red. Tamak. The river Tamak. In winter. Tamak. And Jalad. At Tanagra. Tamak. And Jalad. On the ocean. So That makes about as much sense as I do half the time, right, Dave? I feel like I'm just immersed in incredible geekdom right now, and I'm, I'm very uncomfortable. I, now there's different languages going on. I, 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 I'm, well, that, what is the beauty of that show, Michael? I'm briefly, afraid. What do you find is the beauty of that particular episode, which I find to be one of the best ever? Well, the, uh, the Next Generation shows Patrick Stewart, a, sex, a Shakespearean-trained uh, actor, to be the head uh, of the Enterprise, and uh, he was able to... Uh, provide uh, a, a type of acting that was not seen before. And in this particular episode, it showed how language develops and different people uh, you know, can communicate different ways. You started off not understanding a word, just like a lot of our listeners may not have, but at the end of that episode, you understood everything that that person said, what it was all about. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's thought-provoking. This is interesting stuff. <laughs> you got to see the look on Dave's face. We've got to put that on. Take a picture. Let's put that on the Facebook. If I may, Douglas, it showed you that breaching the cultural divide isn't always an easy task. And once you do that, there's a common understanding. And we could certainly use that today, right? Um, Absolutely. Certainly, there's a, there were other topics such as dealing with fate versus free will. There was one episode where Captain Picard was... Uh, was brought to a, an afterlife and given an opportunity to remis, relive his life not performing or doing a certain thing that he thought was a mistake, having a, a fight with uh, a Norsican, we're going to get too far afield here, but with someone that got him uh, a heart problem for the rest of his life. And he went back and redid that where he didn't have this fight, and it didn't. That fight was the turning point of his life that made him the person that he is. He was no longer a captain, even because he had changed the pivotal point of his life that he thought was something that was a mistake. Yes, no, different. Yeah, yeah great episode. It shows you each one of us, our character develops. It, it, we're really the sum of our experiences. That's what makes us who we are. Exactly. We also dealt with old age. We had uh, Scotty come on the, the show in a show called Relics, and he came on the show, and he went into the uh, old, you know, they have a, an area where you can make up uh, things like a stage, and he went into the old uh, bridge, and on the old bridge he, was, he felt comfortable. And he was, you know, in a different place when he was on the next generation. He was kind of transported there uh, over time. And uh, what did that show mean to you, uh, Michael, at all? I thought it was great that they were bringing back the old uh, characters, the old actors. Uh, and it was a little campy, perhaps. That, that episode was not very serious. But it was really great to see some old friends. But it also showed him saying, listen, this was my old bridge. I can't live in the past. I have to move forward. I have to now learn a new way of living in this new culture, this new, you know, he time traveled another 150 years in the future. And uh, it's about uh, getting old and cr- taking a, a grip with, uh, with age and how to deal with age. Um, let's take a look at uh, and listen to um, my favorite, Mr. Captain Kirk himself. Second start of the ride and straight on to the morning. Why do I keep coming back to that? Anybody have a clue? 
No, I, my, my thought is that that's the rosebud for Star Trek. What's the rosebud? That statement. Second Star Trek. What did play. he say? I couldn't even hear it. You want to play that? Can you play that no, again, No, 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 please, please don't. Just tell me what he said. Yeah, play it again, Chris. Second star to the right, and straight on to the morning. Second star to the right, straight on to the morning. He says that at the end of the last movie that they're in, as a group together, and that just shows the fun, the adventure, and the childlike quality of the entire Star Trek uh, genre, if you ask me. Total silence, nothing. No well, nobody asked there. you, but uh, it's interesting. <laughs> Look, I, 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 I really, uh, listening to you guys and, and watch, having watched the shows, I agree that there there were a lot of social issues, a lot of food for thought when you watch these shows. But when are we going to talk about, you know, that the importance of the show to, you know, how it's been elevated by the conventions that you guys go to every year? Where's that connection? That's what we'll I'm talk missing. about that in two and a half minutes in the second part of our show. You promise? I promise. We'll and get Trekkers right to versus it. Trekkies? We're no, I don't the... think we're going to approach that at all. <sighs> That's that's an irrelevancy. I, I think just the quiz that we had shows you the difference. We're clearly Trekkies because we didn't have the answers to everything. Okay. Oh. Well, thank you, Rich. Thank you. You say we didn't have the answers to everything. I knew all. Well, well, you had them written in front of you. <laughs> well, you put the clips together. You knew oh, where they well, came from. You, what happened to the yeah, facade what does that mean? of me uh, being Mr. Stodger? <laughs> You're a Trekker because you put all those clips together for that that reason alone. And you know what I love? We have the opportunity finally once to actually talk about Star Trek instead of just inferring it from one show to the next. I finally have an opportunity to talk <laughs> That's about That's true. <laughs> well, it would be crazy if somehow you brought Star Trek into Star Trek. I'd like to see you do that. How, I'm bringing Peter Pan into Star Trek, though, now. Isn't that uh, inspiring? Not, not really. No, doesn't do it for you. All right, well, Michael, tell me a little something about why you go to a Star Trek convention. What do you get out of it? Listen to this background. Do you hear this? There is. A, we're in uh, broadcasting, by the way, in MacArthur Airport, and uh, right now they're having a little bit of a. I would suggest what a holiday concert in the background. So yeah, it, it's really quite loud. Dave, do me a favor. Open that window. Open that door. Let, let's see if we can. We can hear. Listen to this. This is our competition. There literally are three, four, seven people watching us, and there, which are in a glass booth, and there's probably about 40 people watching that guy belt out that song in a poor manner. He's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe our listeners would like to hear more of that. I don't know. <laughs> Michael, what do you go to conventions for? What's it all about? Star Trek... Uh no, can can you sing it, Michael? That might be more <laughs> That's just not Star Trek. We have 30 seconds, by the way, just for the heck of it. That's not going to happen. But um, Star Trek uh, started in the 60s when I was a little kid, and uh, it's almost been on the air continuously since then. It's, uh, it's a time when people who have similar interests can get together. Go ahead. Uh, see uh, stars that we've known uh, since we were uh, growing up. Have them talk about their lives, what Star Trek means to them. And it's uh, it's always a lot of fun. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> so rude. We, I, <laughs> I drives all the way here. You're cutting them off. We will be right back. Come on back. We are back. Everything old is new again for a little inside look as to what's happening at the studio here. Um, Michael, I had to cut you off there because I needed to get my clip about Peter Pan and showing the juxtaposition of uh, Captain Kirk and Peter Pan from the movies in the 50s saying what they were saying. So why did you ask him the question in the first place? If you knew you had to cut him off. He was looking at me like a, with this forlorn look that he hadn't had an opportunity to say something <laughs> that he wanted to say. So what, you have 30 seconds, Michael. Go. 
So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No, no pressure. Pr- uh, so we've been going to these conventions, but, and what brings us back year after year? You, you, uh, if you go to a movie once, maybe you're not going to that movie again. You're going to go to something different. Uh, but uh, it's always a new experience. There's always new things to hear. Uh, the, uh, the actors are, are people. They're not just the person they portray on, on stage, uh, excuse me, on TV or in the movies. So it's very And we'll explore that right after this. <laughs> This show is sponsored by ResumeDoctorInc.com. When you're looking for a job, changing your career, or applying for a promotion, your resume is the first thing seen that represents you to a potential employer. Make sure your resume makes a clear, concise, and professional impression of who you are so you can get that job. Send your current resume to ResumeDoctorInc at AOL.com for a free online review. You'll receive a reasonable quote to properly prepare your resume. Let us make sure you have a resume that will get you noticed. Send your resume or questions to resume. Resume Doctor Inc. at AOL.com. That's Resume Doctor Inc. at AOL.com. Get a life, will you, people? <laughs> For crying out loud, it's, it's just a TV show. I mean, look at you. Look at the way you're dressed. <laughs> You've turned an enjoyable little job that I did as a lark for a few years into a colossal waste of time. There's my man, William Shatner, Captain Kirk himself, speaking to the Star Trek fan at a um, at a convention, a hypothetical convention on uh, Saturday Night Live. Remember that one? Yes, from, I do. I think it was the 80s, right? I do, yes. He, he then later said he was the evil twin Captain Kirk. What do you mean? At a convention later on, trying to explain why he was doing that. But it, as an idea, uh, we, we've talked about this many times, and he's talked about it. He was out of the convention circuit for quite a while um, and was not a man that was interested in doing this at all. Now there's not a convention that goes on, and there's five or six or seven a year that he's not at. He's at every single convention. Michael, why do you think he's, uh, he's involved? Do you have any idea? Well, I'm sure there's a monetary aspect to this, and I think he really he really enjoys it. I, I, we, what do we call him at the convention? He's the Babe Ruth, the Babe Ruth, Babe of, Ruth. of of uh, of Star Trek conventions. He's tremendous on stage. He's funny. He brings stories in, and we're going to talk about the convention experience now from this point forward, from this show, the next show, and the show after, and we'll explore and see and listen to what happens at a convention here at Everything Old Is New Again. I'm with uh, David Cohen, the effervescent omnipresent co-host. <laughs> As well as Dr. Richard Richter and Dr. Michael Weiner, thank you. Welcome back. Um, I have a history with with Richard. We eventually uh, got to meet each other in junior high school, and in 1976, we went to the Penta Hotel, first one we went to in New York City. Comic books were a big part of it, but it was a con- it was a Star Trek convention. Do you remember that? Uh, I do, Douglas. But oh, well, we really go back to fifth grade, actually, and I thought our first one. Was at the library. No, the library was after that because that really? was in 78 about the, talking about the motion picture. We went before yes. the motion picture was even talked about. Yes, I stand corrected. Okay, and when we went to that convention, we were 14, 15 years old. Yes. What, what, we've been going ever since. What's, what's up with this? Well, it was simple. I mean, we were fans of the show, and back then there was, no, there was no internet, there was no video streaming, there wasn't even VHS tapes yet, I don't think. So where else were we going to go to, to you know, satiate our, our hunger? And you guys obviously brought dates to this, right? We brought dates from that. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think we got our prom date eventually? (laughs) Speaking of that, let's see what the community is all about. There is nothing nicer than just unbridled enthusiasm. You know, when you get together with a bunch of people and you all like the same thing, there's a huge sense of community. It's, It's infectious, you know. 
And that's Simon Pegg from the the new Scotty, and he's talking to the audience and, and all of us trying to define and understand why Star Trek conventions. What are we all about? What are we doing here, um, Dave? You, as a person that's never been to one, have any interest in um, or, or some uh, point of view that that you haven't heard as of yet, or questions that's been yet to be answered? Well, I have a lot of questions that have not been answered yet. Um, no, I'd, I'd like to know what... So you guys, I understand back then there was no internet. I mean, you, you went to this because you were fans. That makes sense. But flash forward now X number of years, you're still going to these conventions. What is, what's the allure now? Uh, I think some of it is... Uh, and we've been asked that question, by the way, by some of we've had sit downs with um, we'll call them the stars of these shows. They have these opportunities. We can sit down and have like a little dessert with them. So the and, actors ask you that same question. Yes, that's pathetic. Don't you see how <laughs> pathetic that is? Well, that, I don't. I, I don't mean, know they're, about they're, that. They're, they're they're being paid, and they're saying, "Guys, come on, give it What's up." What's it all about? Why it's more about here? the community. The, Gee, the Dave, that hurts. <laughs> It's the shared experience of the three of us, uh, and Sorry. we have an opportunity to talk about something that we love, enjoy, and it builds a, uh, a foundation for, for the next year, and the relationship just grows uh, from there. It's like uh, Met fans going to a ball game, in some ways. No? Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> no, because cause Derek Jeter would never ask, oh, Doug, Doug you're here again. Why, why do you keep coming to Yankee games? You well, know? everybody asks me, why do I keep going to Met games? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's a whole other show. <laughs> well, let's let's listen see if we get uh, any words of wisdom from a ten-year-old that was at a recent convention. How old are you, Paris? Uh, I'm ten. Okay, and you're here with who? Uh, my grandpa. He's in fact the only one who's brought me before. The most fun I've been having is meeting new friends. Hey, Grant, have you met friends at the convention? Yes. And you stay in touch with them after the convention? Yes. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of cute, and uh, we have a waiver signed by her and her grandfather allowing her to be on the show. And she was at the uh, recent uh, Vegas convention. That explains her. But, but again, and I'm, I'm sorry if I, I, I was rude before. I was a little rude. But when these actors are asking you why you still what, what do you say? What, what is the reason? We get up and leave. No, oh, come on. <laughs> you, I mean, there's a reason. What? What is it? There is. Rudy, let me let me just. Oh, David, I'm sorry. You know, rude. Uh, anyway, uh, no. I mean, we're we're three grown men professionals, and this is something that, uh, for me, I love to get together with my friends over something light. My wife isn't going to let me just fly to Vegas, you know, to to have a wild you know weekend with the boys. But a Star Trek convention, she goes. Sure, sweetheart. You go. You have a good time. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, when I got married, we'd been going, had been going, and it's sort of now, if I don't go, you're gonna lo- I'm going to lose that uh, three, four, five-day uh, respite from, from, from the family. So now I've got to, I have to go, if you will. All right, so it's a guy's thing. It's something yes. you, you've been doing together. It's a good escape. You just hang out, have fun. Yeah, we've seen and interest. heard many of these people over and over and over again. We'll right. talk about that in the next show, what we've seen and heard. But, Michael, is there uh, something that, uh, like, I met Michael, uh, at the convention with Richard about 10 years ago, and uh, we're friendly ever since. And um, is there something that, that you found found uh, at the convention that is of interest to you? That I mean, if you've heard these people talk, you've got autographs, you've got photographs, Why? what's, what's, uh, what's the camaraderie about? Or is there any theological discussions? What's going on behind the scenes? I don't think it's anything you know, quite that serious. Uh, these people are mortal. Uh, Shatner, Nimoy, they're uh, in their 80s. Uh, They're not going to be around forever. And uh, if we don't take the time to enjoy the people that we like now, uh, 
eventually they're not going to be here. So it's really nice to be able to to, uh, to, relieve, to relive that experience over and over. See, that's the opportunity where I rented a really long answer from Michael, and he shortened it up for me. <laughs> you got two minutes. You can get no. <laughs> but no, that leads me to another thought: is that the immediacy of us being able to interact not only with the fans uh, but with the people that are on the show, whether they're a star or a bit player, um, one on one, does have some uh, level of attraction, does it not? The uh, some of the uh, lesser known stars will uh, sit and talk to you for quite a long time, and they're just people. Uh, they're actors. They enjoy their work, but the uh, same as a uh, lawyer, financial person, dentist. And so being able to talk to them as a person and not uh, their character, you get a feeling for who they are, and it's, uh, it's a nice experience. So is that, is that what brings you back every year? Is it, I, I understand the camaraderie with, with the three of you, but in terms of you know, seeing, to me, it would be, be like are, you're seeing the same thing over and over again. Every year, it's sort of like the same troop of actors. Is well, it? we're not just doing that. We're also enjoying wherever, whatever city we happen to be ah, in, whether it's okay. Boston, Philadelphia, uh, Las Vegas. So it's not all Star Trek. Yeah, dinner's right. out, you know, that kind right. of thing. Right. And we will certainly cover the, uh, the evenings of, uh, of our Las Vegas convention in the next show. That's, that's a lot of fun. Um, all along those lines, though, there are different guests and guest stars at every convention. Michael, you had dinner with one, uh, I remember a little ways back, uh, that was a bit player in one of the episodes, but uh, you had a great experience with, with him. Do you remember that? I, of course I remember that was uh, at the convention near the Meadowlands in New Jersey, and uh, I spent the whole evening with uh, the actor and his wife, and uh, turned out we had a lot in common. And uh, it was really nice to, to get to know them. And now when you watch the episode, it's kind of bizarre. But you have an, a, a real experience with that person that was on television 50 years ago on this show that you love. Who, who was it? Suspense is killing me. Join the galaxy's largest official Star Trek convention in Las Vegas with 100 Star Trek guest stars and four captains. Beam into the intergalactic party of the year. <laughs> have collectively just beamed to Las Vegas 2014, the Star Trek convention. How's it feel, Dave? Oh, God. <laughs> was that because the transporter was unnerving? Is that why you say that? No, it's what you just said was unnerving. <laughs> I'm not beaming anywhere with you, okay? I'm just... Through I'm the power of radio, all of us are now there. <laughs> Imagine it. Isn't if, it wonderful? If I close my eyes... All right, let me just close my eyes for a minute. Yes. No, no I'm not, you'll I'm fall not asleep. There. I'm not there. Uh, <laughs> we we want to kind of roll up our sleeves now and talk about the convention itself, yeah, what let the me, layout I'd is. I'd like to – right. I wasn't there. I don't go to them, but right. I, I, it would be interesting to hear what it's like. Okay. So we could start off where, uh, you know, we arrive the night before, and basically you'll hear now from this point on, Michael and Richard – are the eyes and ears of everything old is new again. Okay, so when you're leaving, what do you say to your wives when you're, when you're leaving to go on this Live long track? and prosper. That's what you say to your wife. No, I'm just kidding. You say goodbye. What do you, what do you say? Yeah, but what can you possibly say, Dave? I mean, do they care you're leaving? How, what, what, is it, what is it now? How, how has it evolved? Well, my okay. wife is actually very supportive of it. No kidding. She actually came to one of this, the conventions with us, if you remember, Jersey, Douglas. Yes. And she had a great time, but she did say to me, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but uh, it's kind of like a boys-only club. And, uh, you know, I'm going to let you guys have fun on your own. But I would suggest that there's a boys-only club because of us mm -hmm. at the conventions you do get i'm going to say 
40% female, something like yeah. that. There is a, a, a large portion of the... You're imagining. You're imagining. There's no way there's 40% Absolutely. female. There is. Come on. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. At Las Vegas, maybe, because so now we're has at an the, escort. Now we're at the Rio in Las Vegas. But what... But, Okay, We're there. I, but I give you the forty percent in Las Vegas. What about other conventions? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely, no doubt, no okay. doubt. They love the cosplay. We'll talk about that in another show. They're involved. They're, they're um, there's a whole new under. Yeah, there's no, uh, they love the costumes. There's a whole new undercurrent of what's going on, which we'll talk about down the line. Okay, but first I want to let's place us there. There's what's there. We're at the Rio. They have a huge convention area, bigger than uh, I would suggest different layout, but bigger than even the Javits Center where they have the Comic-Con. The Javits Center's got one huge, huge room, and that's about it. Here yeah. you've got a number of different rooms. You've got a main theater with seats appro- approximately 15,000. Well, what would you see? What's the number there? There's yeah. 15,000 attendees, and they say that no one will want for a seat. Everyone has an assigned seat. So let's say it's probably about ten to 15,000 in that one main theater. And when you guys go in, do you go in with a game plan? Like how are you going to approach oh, it? Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a schedule of events. Uh, Richard, what, what do we usually do on that front? Yeah, um, well, Douglas, you usually you lay out the schedule for us. You're very Shot. organized. Really, Doug? You take you take control of this whole convention planning. That's so <laughs> unlike you. In fairness, he does an excellent job. Michael and I are always very happy with, I'm sure with he him does. laying out the the itinerary. <laughs> and Michael, when we walk down to the night before, we get our tickets. We walk down to the convention center. Besides the main room, what is there? Surprisingly, they put a lot of effort into making replicas of uh, some of the um, uh, scenes from the original series, and we were able to take photos with that, uh, uh, props that had been used, and it was really a very uh, well done uh, introduction to the convention, which was going to start the next day. All right, let's hear a little piece of our experience there. Paul and Ellison wrote a, a, a show, uh, I think it was called City on the Edge of Forever, and there was a prop piece which was like a time machine, and, if, and that prop piece was actually on, uh, on, on site today, correct? Yes. Uh, any uh, participant could just uh, uh, position themselves in the prop and make believe that they were in the movie. A lot of people were uh, lined up taking uh, photos, and uh, that would be a, a memory to uh, forever. Another prop was the original uh, transporter room had been recreated. Uh, it was also similar. It was the transporter room where people would beam up and beam down. Beam me up, Scotty. So Michael, you, you were much more excited. I could tell you were there because compared to how you just described it here in the studio, I could just I could hear the excitement in your voice. No, I'm serious. I'm you know, serious. You know what? Being there really is. See, this is this is after. This is not as exciting. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, now. I gotta, I Picture yourself back there now. now I gotta, tell, I gotta, that's I, why I brought the video camera with me. I gotta say, I, I gotta say, being there is is an experience that's very hard to reproduce once you get home. When you're there, it's uh, it is a uh, it's. Just such an uh, an interesting thing with so many people who are all into it. It's uh, you can't exp- you can't yeah, I get you it. can't explain I get that. It. And time travel is always difficult, as we, you mentioned, uh, the Guardian of Forever. If just to refresh anyone's memory as to what we actually saw at the convention, they recreated this uh, character. If you remember this piece. Before your sun burned hot in space, and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. What are you? I am the Guardian of Forever. I am my own beginning, my own ending. Wouldn't that be nice, huh? But that, if you remember the show, that set piece was there. Uh, 
recreated like like nothing else. It was as if you were right in in the uh, you know in the movie itself or the TV show itself. No. Yeah, um, Douglas, we loved it. I mean, we as a rule, everybody who's listening, we have never dressed up for a Star Trek convention. But for this, we put on like these uh, replica T-shirts, you know, the cheap kinds, you know, from the original series. And we, we had somebody take a picture of us, you know, jumping through the Guardian. It was great. And the transporter, we beamed out of. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And where do you, what do you do with those photos, by the way? Um, as, as I said, I promise I will get them to you one of these days. <laughs> but, all right. Once I, that was a, I understand that. I'm asking for my photos, which I haven't received yet, uh, so that I could print them out and do it okay. with, 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 with what I do with it. What do you do with those photographs? Um, I don't know if I actually have them as a, a screensaver on my computer. And um, like so many other digital photos now, they're, they're kind of in my hard drive. But, but the screensaver thing is great. What do you do with yours, Doug? Uh, I put them in a, a book. I've got a book, and I'm, I'm going to be uh, recreating uh, in my basement a, a, a bar that's from uh, the show. And I'm going to have lots of set pieces and lots of pictures surrounding my base, my finished-off basement bar area. Um, I'm waiting for that to be done. I've got to make a few do- more dollars before I can get that. I wish out. our listeners could see the excitement on the faces of, of Mike and, <laughs> it's like Mike and Rich. Time. They're like, when are we coming over? There's going to be Quark's Bar down in, the, in my uh, basement. It's going to, if you, anybody. I can taste the Romulan ale now. <laughs> Dude, this is uh, what it's all about. <laughs> now, uh, Mike, Michael, I know you're a little less reticent to, uh, to display every photograph you get, but I know there's a certain few that you do uh, display either in your office or at home. What do you do with these? I like to display photos that I've taken with the actor because that means something to me photo that I've taken with Bill Shatner or Leonard Nimoy, Gates McFadden or Scott Bakula. That's pretty cool. And those are those are fun. Plus, also, we've had photographs in different conventions. At they recreate recreated the bridge of the Enterprise, uh, the original. And then in Las Vegas, they used to have uh, the re- the recreation of the Next Generation bridge. We had photographs uh, taken there. So it kind of I don't know. It kind of uh, brings you around to um, to feel a little bit more uh, a part of the show. I don't know what is going to happen, though, down the line. Like, um, my kids see these photos and all that when they're older. And, uh, I mean, is it going to be something that they're going <laughs> to uh, think positively about or, or not? What do you kids think about this, Richard? Well, they enjoy, just as I do, the photographs of you and Michael and I with the actors or in one of the background scenes. I mean, that's just that's good times. That's, you know, you reminisce about these things. The autograph photos... Um, those are, uh, you're right, I, I, they have no interest in them, um, unfortunately, but so they'll probably gather dust and end up at a garage sale. But these set pieces are tremendous. These set pieces give us uh, a nice feel for the show, and we'll uh, play that a little, a little bit as a background, um, because that is the computer of the Enterprise, and that's bringing us to the present day. I mean, one thing we need to not forget is that this show forecasts computers, disks, uh, telephones, uh, cell phones, I should say. It was, uh, it's like all good science fiction, predicted the future, did it not, Michael? It's incredible. In fact, Bill Shatner um, posted a show about what from Star Trek actually came to be in, uh, you know, in modern day. And uh, the... Uh, you broke the computer, Michael. Yes. What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the writers really um, had a lot of forethought. 
They did. And we will come back on Everything Old is New again next week talking about the Star Trek convention. And we're going to explore the autograph experience in more detail. Come on back to Everything Old is New again. Welcome back to Everything Old is New again. Douglas Viviani with David Cohen and our special guests today are Richard Richter and Michael Weiner. Michael wanted to give us a little different point of view on a question we talked about previously. Trekkers versus Trekkies. You know, uh, often the uh, Star Trek fans get bad press. Uh, no. You, would, no. You, you wouldn't believe it, but it's true. Uh, no, nerdy. Uh, Come on. Never go outside, never talk to a girl. Um, so in some respects, <laughs> the, trek, the uh, Trekkie is a derogatory term that uh. is used to describe that person, where people who like Star Trek can refer to them as tr- themselves as Trekkers, which is a, uh, a nicer term. So Trekker has a girlfriend, a Trekkie does not have a girlfriend. That could be. Interesting, Dave. That, that's I could see during this whole experience, it, other than the music interlude that we had previously in the studio here, uh, that you are uh, struggling a little bit with the uh, with the conversation, or are you enjoying? No, it? I I, you tell. know, I was, in the beginning, I was struggling a little bit because I didn't really get the whole convention thing and why you guys go every year. But I, after talking and listening to you guys, it, I mean, it's starting to make sense. It really is. Uh, the fact that it's something you guys do together, it's a fun th- a guy's thing to do. Um, I get it. You know, I guess some guys go, look, I go on trips to see out-of-town hockey games with some friends. So, to me, that's... What's what's hockey? (laughs) (laughs) I think it was in Star Trek Episode 3. They've Um, never approached that. Yeah, so I I understand the guy trip thing. And um, and, and this rebuilding the sets, yeah, I I would get it. If I was a fan of the show and, and I could have my picture taken in a set, I mean, there's a... You know, kind of a nerdish quality that, that I have, too. I can relate to that. Great. Uh, we hope you relate to it. We will be all be back at the next show. If everything old is new again, come on back. We're going to be talking about autographs and photographs at a convention.